I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell Sanders. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping question, popping bottle, and pop culture. And we are here today with Abigail Rubin. And we're at Dead Horse Hill, so I thought maybe you could start by telling us what is your connection to Dead Horse? Um, well, so my friend Jared, uh, Jared Foreman, who owns the place, uh, I used to work with him in New York uh, at Morea and Gramercy Tavern, and we just became really good friends. So he offered me during this time, like, oh, you should come up here and come see the trees change up in New England and help consult and, like, with some pastry stuff. And, like, you know, why not? Like, it seems like a great deal. So, yeah, we've just stayed in contact since then. And um, he even came up. Uh, I was in, working in Colorado. He even came and visited us up there and uh, stayed the night with us. And it was, it was really fun. So, yeah. So and it's a great place. It's, like, it's really cool to see, like, like the spot obviously is gorgeous and just like I was even commenting like Worcester how just like all these beautiful buildings and the architecture and you know I've heard of Worcester like people have like the connotation of it from outside the city and I'm like this is actually like this is really nice it's really beautiful and you know again fall in New England can't really beat it of the 80s is what they call it. Oh, whoa. I always try to investigate that phrase because it doesn't make sense, which yeah. I, is my favorite thing about it. Like, yeah, that's, that's strange. It's like, so good. <laughs> yes. Yes. You mentioned Maria uh, and Gramercy, yes. and then I know you worked at Carbone, too. Yeah, I was at Carbone. Uh, I helped with the opening of that. Um, I also did some catering uh, for Danny Meyer's uh, company. It's called Union Square Events. And I, I was a pastry chef at Andrew Carmelini's restaurant, The Dutch, for a while. So now I'm just kind of a free agent, like doing some consulting. I was, you know, again in Colorado for the summer um, and just kind of like going with everything that's happening right now. Because a lot of people that I know that are pastry chefs still haven't been asked to come back to restaurants in New York just because it's like it's only at 25% occupancy and like the unfortunate thing with pastry is that like it's always seen as like the last thing to come back so um, again yeah just going with it trying to enjoy and um, you know just taking advantage of these type of opportunities. Molly and I both worked at a restaurant right across the street called Ormsby Abbey which oh, is yeah. closed right now um, due to the pandemic. Yeah. We, when I got the job, I had never worked in the service industry, and so I read a Danny Meyer book the night before. I was like, all right, I'm ready. Yeah, no, he he has a great philosophy, and I really enjoyed working for him. Like, Gramercy Tavern, I always think of as the place that, like, it just, like, cemented my career, and, like, the chef um, at the time, Nancy Olson, the pastry chef, she really was my mentor and pushed me to be a better chef, and... I'll never, like, I'll never forget that. And, like, just the people that you meet. And, like, they're going on to do these great things. Like, Jared here in Worcester is doing great things. I know uh, a couple of former colleagues that are opening up a restaurant in, um, in Ridgewood, uh, in, uh, the, in Brooklyn, in New York. And um, everyone's just, like, doing these awesome things from there. And well, I feel like Gravity Tavern 2 is, like, a touchstone. Like, if you tell someone outside of the city who doesn't know, they'll be like, oh, yes, I've heard of that. Right? Yeah, like it's like it's definitely like a thing. Like we're like, oh, yeah, like, yeah. It's it has a great <laughs> reputation, and like people do genuinely like each other and get along there. And we would just we would go out together after work. We would hang out together on our weekends, and 
Um, I, I really loved it. Like it was hard work, definitely hard work, but it made me such a better chef and all like, yes. And Danny Meyer's philosophy is like treating your employees well. Like it really does. It goes to the guests, um, in the end of the day, which that's great. So my favorite pastry chef, I don't have a wide array to choose from, but on Chef's table when I watched the Christina Tosi episode, I was like, I love her so much. She just doesn't take herself too seriously. She yeah. understands desserts are playful, in particular, she loves junk food. Yeah. And I was totally invested. Um, have you crossed paths with her at all? And who's like your pastry chef idol? Um, so I, I've never um, met her personally. Like I've gone to Milk Bar and I, you know, I remember going to Milk Bar when it first opened and just being like blown away with how like, I don't know, it was just so different. Like it, it was familiar, but so different than any time. Yeah. Like of stuff that you had ever had. And like, it was so salty and savory too. And yeah, I would go like one of my friends lived like a block or two away and I would just be like, yeah, like, let's go check this out. And we'd like wait in line and like, you know, get the slice of the cake and all this stuff that they would have and just I think she really like created this change within pastry from just being like this oh you have to do this super French thing that's like super high-end like the fancy like you know the mousse cake the entremet and like you can still do this American style dessert with a lot of flavor and trying to do like different flavor combinations and I really appreciate that she's done that and like she's really made like a name for herself and like all the um, the locations that she has now it's like incredible um, I did see her I went to that cherry bomb um, it was a conference like a couple years ago so I love yeah podcast. well my friend she was like featured on their Instagram and they like she had reached out to them and she got us tickets and so we saw her and Martha Stewart speak so that was really fun to see um, so I, yeah I really I I think what she's done for like the pastry scene is really amazing and like I yeah I saw the pastry episode and like you know I loved like seeing all the different people and how they like it was cool to see like how different they all are because you know obviously she's very different than like the with the guy who's making the gelato and sorbet in Sicily like it's just it was I I really appreciate them that like that season of the series or that version with the desserts. David Ching, he gushes about her every chance he gets. I know Jared has like a love-hate relationship with (laughs) Chef Ching. Oh, I know a lot of people have that same. (laughs) But But. he also has celebrated um, this woman, Jessica Coslow. Oh, from Squirrel. Yeah, I loved her episode on his podcast. I was all in on Squirrel. And then... Oh, the jam incident? Yes. I got so excited to talk about the jam incident that I started... (laughs) Oh my gosh, no, it was like, I remember seeing that in like the videos and you're just kind of like, okay, or you know, the Instagram, like. Um, It was crazy. Yeah. She had a a second kitchen that had not been approved by the Board of Health or inspected and they found some moldy jam there. Right, right. And then she also was kind of taking credit for other people's recipes, but there were people who she employed and hired. Do you own the recipes that... That you... So... You, I think you can like do that, but usually, like any time I've worked at a restaurant or like to be, you know, a pastry chef or like this, you know, larger position, they do make you sign a thing that says like any recipe you make here, like we own. Like you don't, not necessarily like you can't make it anywhere else, but like say you have like oh your famous chocolate cake, it becomes their famous chocolate cake. So that 
like a lot of times restaurants take care of that legality issue with it. So I'm not sure if she did that or not. I'm assuming she didn't because it's like a smaller place. She probably really wasn't thinking about it. But that becomes like an issue with a lot of stuff because like some people are much more like, oh, I'm not giving out the recipe. I'm not doing this. But you know, I've always been like, I like I'll give out the recipe. Like I, I guess I would be upset if I found out like, oh, they took like my recipe and we're making like thousands of dollars off of it. And I could see where that would come into play. But I always feel like you know you should share the wealth. But I, I think like a lot of times when you work at a place that just generally happens because like you're there and like they're like oh yeah like you want to as a pastry cook like oh I want to feel like I'm involved and like they'll like you'll make something yeah and like you'll but also you'll just like make stuff and you're excited that like your chef likes it so you just like oh yeah they put it on the menu but then yeah it it kind of does become theirs and so it's a it's definitely a sticky issue and I I can under <laughs> yes with the jam hey badoom ching um so with her, I think like, I I can kind of like understand some of the thing, but but like the jam thing was definitely pretty pretty gross. <laughs> well, part of the reason it became such a big story is because she was nominated for a James Beard Award, which mm-hmm. Molly and I have talked a lot about, like the Oscars of food. Mm-hmm. And her kitchen said, "You're not a chef. Like, yeah, you're, you be made of Yeah, yeah." Like, you're a business owner, you're a pastry chef, I think, or her origins, but all of the dishes that were being recognized and run in the New York Times and Bon Appetit as recipes with her picture weren't created by her, and that's yeah. them. Now, on the flip side of things, James Beard has been widely criticized for largely rewarding the work of white men and ignoring women and people of color. And so I'm curious about your viewpoint. Can you provide me insight from the inside about the James Beard Institution? Well, I think people, like, if you get nominated for a James Beard, people, like, that's a very exciting thing because it's still, like, seen as this, like, prominent um, prominent um, awards uh, that you would want as a restaurant. It brings a lot of business to you. But I think just, like, a lot of reward, um, a lot of these like awards, like the Pellegrino, like the 50 Best List, and like they've always just been. Um, it's it like cooking in general has always been this like white man's world, and even like with the pastry thing, it's like oh yeah, well women could do that. It's seen like I've heard it called like the pink ghetto, and it's like like it's fine women are there, but a lot of times, even coming into my career or like just throughout my career, I've known chefs who have specifically said like they don't think women make good chefs. And you're like, and I'm just like, <laughs> like, this is like, I can't believe this is still something now, but it's just like, you see it too. Like they tend to respect more what men will say, even if you've said the same thing. And I've like, still am coming. Like, it's, it's just crazy that it's, it's still happening. Um, and even just like people like, oh, they're the best female chef. And it's like, why does it have to be that? Why can't it just be like the best chef? Like Dominique Crenn, like she's an insane chef. Like why is she like, oh yeah, you're the best like female chef. It's like, why not just the best chef? So I still think that there is a lot to work to be done. And, you know, with like people of color and stuff, like it's, it's just like a lot harder to get like that kind of recognition and same acclaim as if you're just like this white male chef who's just I like I've just from seeing it in my own career and like I think there just need to be more inclusion and there has to be that same like level of respect and like it's not as um, just like 
like in the past you would definitely see more of that just like discrimination or just but now it's just more hidden I think we need to like just admit that it's still there Mm -hmm. and with the James Beard like I know just right now like a lot of restaurants don't even want to like they can't even like think about that because they're just struggling to stay open it's like oh you're giving all these awards and doing all this and it's like why not use some of that funds to like help actual restaurants like get out of these holes because the sad reality is a lot of restaurants especially in New York right now like they're closing like more gonna close like unless things start to get better but like no one really knows when or if or when that's gonna happen and so what so I live in Williamsburg on the south side um, so like right now being there it's people are out now like even yesterday before I headed headed over here um, like people are a lot of people are out like outdoor dining and like it's definitely a lot more normal than when I left to go to Colorado in the middle of June. Like, people were still hesitant to go outside. But now, um, like, they're trying, people want some kind of semblance of normalcy. But also, like, they're, like, people are starting to go back to work, I hear, like, to their um, offices. And um, people are taking the subway again. Uh, and the 25% dining has started, so that's, like, people are still a little bit skittish about it. Uh, but, like, I think once it starts to get cooler, people are just going to be like, well, it's fine, I'm just going to go inside. But we, there's still a lot to be done. Um, but I, I think people are really itching to get back to, like, how things were. But, like, we also have to be, like, concerned about, like, health and, like, not doing, like, there's, you know, I heard about people having, like, these like underground raves in like Bushwick and Brooklyn that like more you know more than 50 people I'm like why would you like this is like don't put yourself at risk yeah no like yeah like I get it people are having more of like their own like small functions but um, like little parties to themselves for going out to eat at these outdoor places but it's it's getting better. It's definitely a lot better than when it started. Like people would ask me, like, because I was there during like when quarantine started. They're like, oh my god, it seems like you know you see on the news it's like all oh, like crazy. And I'm like, you know, honestly, we were just like staying inside most of the time. Like you stay inside and like cook your food and you go like maybe on a daily walk and like so it it is getting a lot better. But um, like it's like you know being in Colorado like it was a lot more normal than in New York um I'm just waiting to see like how this is going to affect like restaurants are such a part of New York City life like as everyone and I like a lot of people are leaving honestly right now because there's no like the point of being in New York is the ability to be able to go out and go to eat yeah that's the whole culture there and when you can't do that if you're just in your small apartment like people are just like well you know, I guess maybe, like, I've always talked about going, moving back home or, like, moving out west or this, so I am really curious, and just, again, the restaurant thing, just, like, already some great places have closed, and I'm really sad about that, so I'm, but I am hopeful that, like, hopefully, like, things will start to pick up and people are, like, responsible and not having their underground raves and just, like, wearing their mask and hand sanitizer and washing their hands. and quarantined inside your New York City apartment, what did you cook? Was there like a dish that you made for comfort? Um, well, I did cook a lot more. So to be completely honest, so my I lived in that apartment. I've been there over three years now. 
I had never used my oven. So I know everyone's like, how you, oh, like you didn't bake at all. Yeah. So like I realized that like, oh, that, so I went to like try to turn the oven on and I'm like, oh, it doesn't work. So I, did, I was making a lot of things on the stove for a while before they, they did eventually come fix the, um, fix the oven. But I made a lot of like stews and I made, what did I make? I made like this French onion soup. I made like a lot of like hearty comforting things. I'm very like into the, the stew soup, like just one bowl um, items. And so I made what I made, like a kale white bean stew is really good. I've like a lot of stuff from like, I made stuff from like food and wine, Bon Appetit, like just recipes. I'm like, oh, this sounds nice. And like, you have to, like you would have to plan out more because like you'd have your weekly grocery trip because you didn't want to like go too many times to the store. So I made a lot of that stuff. And then once I got the oven fixed, I was baking more and I even did like a little like weekend, um, like I made these uh, uh, banana miso sticky buns that were really yummy. So yeah, so I did when I did that for one weekend, I sold some of that and I gave um, the proceeds to like, different um, like Black Lives Matters uh, uh, organizations and um, just because I was getting unemployment so it didn't seem fair for me to like keep that so but that so doing stuff like that and like just recipes I've just I think it was always just like comforting hearty things but like a little bit healthy too so you know gotta gotta have some vegetables here and there so earlier like the kind of innovation that Christina Tosi has brought to like American desserts and mm-hmm. what our thoughts are, like what how we kind of perceive it I guess yeah um, and I was looking at like the Dutch where you have worked and that yeah. seemed to be sort of like their um, not like mission statement but like just like American food like good American food oh like, yeah while you were there did you feel like you got to sort of just like bring some of the stuff to the table was there anything in particular that you made there that you were like really excited about yeah I really like the stuff that I made at the Dutch I really just that was definitely my style like because the chef who is still there Jason Hua he was very much into like oh yeah these American like dishes like we had the fried chicken and um but also doing like different kind of like using Asian influences or like um Latin influences and just but also like keeping with that same like American mentality too just like doing like the hanger steak with the kimchi fried rice and a fried egg like it's still like that idea of like that hearty American food but like doing something different and like you know we would make kimchi in house and um it was I I really enjoyed being there and like for the dessert uh, there like we always had the two pies on the menu so like getting to play around with that and um like, I was talking with Jared, like, he really wanted to try uh, the Meyer lemon meringue pie I did with, like, the poppy seed cookie crust, and um, so it was, yeah, it was really good, and, like, I did um, a version, like, Benafi, I don't know if you've heard of Benafi, it's normally, yeah, so I did my own version of that with, like, had, like, a chocolate um, base, and then it had, like, a butterscotch pudding with, like, this really nice banana sherbet that, and, like, dulce de leche on top of the pie, so, like, pie it was fun to do that like kind of perfect how to make the pies but I also like uh, it really taught me a lot about thinking about like making food that people want to eat and like that same American kind of like doing cakes the pies like donuts um and but also just playing around with different flavors so like just like going just thinking about pies right now like I did like the a sour cherry pie and I did like 
the, the quoting, like cherry chip ice cream. I know you can't see quotes in, in the podcast, but like, um, so uh, you can use, take the cherry pits. Like you, there was this one spice store called Kali Stands um, in New York, and it's super great. You guys should definitely go check it out. Like a lot of really interesting spices and things you wouldn't see normally. And you can get the cherry pits. Um, they're called Malab, and it, if you toast them, and you can add them to like an ice cream base and it tastes like almond. So I like infused the base of the ice cream with that. And then I did like, um, made like homemade like chocolate chips, like the, you know, like the nice thin ones like you would get like in, you know, chocolate chip or mint chip ice cream. And so it was like the cherry chip, but it was like an almond flavor. So doing fun stuff like that. I, I had fun with it. I made like a shaved ice dessert with like blackberry and verbena syrup and matcha ice cream. and that was a really fun one yeah like doing I really like doing the American style desserts but just like I think for me like getting someone to try something that they wouldn't have necessarily tried and I really did try to like with the servers be like you know you guys like giving them letting them try it so they can be like see like what I mean with this and they're like oh my god this is so amazing like we have to sell this to people and um like it I I I, I enjoyed my time there. I was there for like four and a half years, and I'm still close with the people that worked there. Uh, and they are open now, and they're doing well. And like, um, just I think they're very busy, especially brunch. We were very known for. So we do like the little donuts and the donut tree, and that was fun to come up with flavors for that. But From the floor, we'll say. No, that's like it's super important to get the staff excited about things. So we would talk up things and tell stories about it because a lot of times the desserts were like telling a story about like why I wanted to put this on the menu and just letting them try and be like, you guys like this is like taste this like you're gonna understand why like yeah. you know like you should you should sell this and. Um, I got along very well with the servers too because of that and like I'm like even you know I'd let them try stuff like especially if they weren't there that day because yeah you want to like in the end of the day it is a business and you want to be able to sell desserts for people um, but I did I it it was a really great experience for me and like as I said like I guess I could relate with Christina Tozzi on that aspect of like these really American desserts but um, I guess I like veer off. Well, she like she'll do some did some different flavors too. Like she would do like, especially like when she started out, it wasn't as common. Like you know, passion fruit and malt and chocolate. Like from her time working at WD Fifty, she just like um, they do like more obscure flavor combinations and. Um, <laughs> I went to WD Fifty and I didn't know much about. Oh gosh. And I remember saying to my date at the time, I was like, that guy looks like. <laughs> yes, he, he does. Like, That's why we do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I, yeah, he does look like. <laughs> yeah, he really. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's so funny. Cause yeah, my friend worked for him when he had a, this restaurant called Alder. He had it for a couple years, um, and he he's definitely like kind of awkward. Maybe not like quite like Dwight, but like yeah. he definitely he has some awkward. He's you know this like insane genius of a guy who like comes up with all this stuff. Although now he's making donuts. Yes, yes. Well, that's funny you say that because one of the restaurants for Andrew Carmelini, uh, Luca. They're in the William Vale Hotel, which is right where Dew's Donuts is. I think they're closed right now. Like, he's in Connecticut, maybe, because I think that's where his family lives and where his house is. And he was doing, like, he did some different, um, like, more, like, kind of obscure donut flavors. But he was trying to, like, perfect that, like, cake donut recipe. And 
Yeah, they even had this really good, like, egg and cheese sandwich, which I know you're like, that's kind of strange at a donut <laughs> shop, but, like, he did it in, like, this... I think he definitely did some, like, kind of that molecular stuff with it, and it, like, was just so amazing. Like, oh, my God. So well known for what he did with eggs. Right? Yes, yes. Because he loves eggs, and so he decided to just, like, add that on to, you know, the donut thing, but... If you could work for any shop, who would be... Or work with him? With anyone? With manifesto. <laughs> yes, right. So, like, as a savory chef to be, like, kind of with, or, like... Um, Oh man, uh, like I, I think it would be cool, like Dominique Crenn, like I said, just because she's a badass. Um, Tell me more about her. Where does she work? Uh, she has Atelier Crenn, um, that's in San Francisco. So she has that. It's just like, it's a tasting menu experience. I, I'm, I think it has two Michelin stars. Like, don't quote me on that. It definitely has a Michelin star, and she just like she has a chef's table so you should check that out and she just like she is like she relates a lot of this stuff to like her childhood and growing up like it's a little bit more it's not that kind of like as straightforward of cooking but I think what she does is just like very amazing um but like I know like thinking about chefs that I would work with too like it could be another pastry chef yes yeah uh I really, so there's this pastry chef, Yunji Lee, who has, she's at Junsik, and she does, like, the, she's famous, she has, like, the little banana dessert. Um, I'm also, like, it's funny, I'm saying places that are totally against my style, like, with that, but it would be fun to kind of learn that. I think, like, I've done, worked at a lot of, like, these American places, like, more high-end kind of American places, but, like, just learning something completely different. Oh, my gosh. So it's another one I just thought of. So it's that same thing. It's something totally, like, different than what I've done. This uh, Cedric Grelay, he's um, a pastry chef in France, and he makes these desserts that look like, they look like fruit, like the actual fruit that they're, like, the, the flavors yeah. are based off of, and it looks like a real fig or, like, a real pear, and I think that Yoonji Lee from Junsik worked for him for a while but like his stuff is like insanely perfect and like how do you even do this and it would just be like amazing to learn from someone like that um what are they made out of like cake or yeah it has like mousse and cake inside um and like different like the flavor of whatever like saying like the yeah. fig so uh, would, it looks I'll, I'll show you guys pictures it's like yeah he does it, it's like insane and like he does these just like you know fruit tarts like regular fruit tarts and I'll put like the raspberries but like I don't know it just like looks so beautiful like on something simple and just like really delicious and but I mean I guess the fig shape thing is probably a little bit more difficult to do but he yeah like I guess I'd maybe work with someone like just doing something to learn some like a different style than what I've been doing um yeah so I mean those people just like stand out to me (laughs) yes yes I'll I'll show you it's it's like it's so crazy how he can just do this stuff like I like I'll think of stuff you know within the realm of what I'm doing and then I see some stuff that people can create and it's like amazing what pastry has become since like I don't know like it used to just be like you know just like chocolate cake or like the French thing like it it's evolved so much just like food in general too of what it's become and like I think now it's so cool that like it's not just oh you have to make good food it's just like French food and like the classics like 
we've been exposed more to different like ethnic foods and like trying different things like I mean by now everyone's gone to a Thai restaurant but no one can say that they did that maybe like 30 years ago and now it's just like more and more you're being exposed to and it's also just like learning different cultures and I think like I'm a big believer in like food bringing people together and I like that's something that I appreciate about this industry like one of the things question about this this idea of more cultures having spotlight yeah someone like Alison Roman who Mm -hmm. obviously has come up against a lot oh yeah yeah I I can't help it I love the rest yeah excellent they're easy to follow oh yeah it's always delicious but she often will use influence from other cultures and then she doesn't credit the original the stew yeah, like it's yeah. like everyone that's just like. Yeah. And so when it comes to cultural appropriation in terms of taking influence from lots of different backgrounds, lots of different ethnicities, how do you make sure that credit is given where it's due? Uh, well, with something like her, like she has her cookbook and she has her, like, I think she has a newsletter or a blog, something like that. Yeah. I think you should, like, especially in the forward, just be like, so this is something, like, you know, I've always been really into this type of cuisine and I wanted to make a version of it that I could make at home that, you know, like, with, I might not have, like, some of the things accessible or this, or just, like, I think just talking about, like, where she had gotten it from, because on one hand, like, I'm not... It's I can totally because I've talked to one of my my best friends. She's um, Palestinian and she's talked about different people like um, white people just kind of like being like, oh yeah, like I'm making this now. It's like well, like this is something that we've been making for hundreds of years. And but at the same time, it's also people are becoming more exposed to this and like being. I I think it's great that people want to try new things in the kitchen and wanting to like look for these different things even if it's like difficult to make them but um, I I do think like she could probably be better and like maybe like the little like blurb about the recipe of like yeah so this is where I like this influence like this is based off of like this Indian dish that um, you know with a name and I giving credit like if it was from like her um, like even just thinking the Palestinian like the that restaurant Reem I think I think it's called in LA, like, being like, oh, well, my friend, like, you know, I had this at her restaurant, and it, like, blew me away, and I wanted to try to make a version of it at home, because, like, at the end of the day, like, it's nice to expose everyone to this, and, like, I think, again, just, like, bringing people together in kind of just, like, a small way, but, yeah, it's tricky to just make sure you give credit to those things, and, so I think maybe just her doing that better. But, yeah, I know she, like, came into a lot of stuff and, like, putting some people. Like, I didn't really like when she was, like, putting people like Chrissy Teigen down. And it's like, yeah, like, you shouldn't be, yes, you might feel a certain way about stuff. But, like, the way you're talking about it, just, like, let them, like, they're trying to make a living for themselves and trying to make a name for themselves. And, like, you don't need to put, like, all these other people down or you should have. It's definitely apologetic, but it was a unique case because her rise popularity during the pandemic the early months was just like astronomical yeah because ever really heard of people her. were doing like an allison roman um recipe bracket like oh yeah no oh, my friend was making that pasta all the time in the stew and yes but head, you know? yeah, yeah and people had told me who had like worked with her she was kind of that way where she didn't really like care who she like people yeah like she didn't really she you know i'm not trying to make friends kind of thing and i'm like well i don't know if that's the best model i guess you did get popular with it but 
um, yes, like my friend who he was making the recipes all the time and during quarantine and like he's like still continued to do it. He's like, yeah, I know, like what? Because it's hard because like yeah, that pasta recipe you don't like oh, you. It's all yeah, pantry stuff. So, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. But I understand too that there. I my favorite cookbook of quarantine has been the Kenji Lopez all book. Oh like yeah. Scientific sampling. But I want to go off topic for just a second. Molly, can you explain what happened with Chrissy Teigen this week? Oh, my God. Oh, I heard about this. So, so Chrissy, um, a few months ago, um, Chrissy was like, I'm getting my breast implants out. But this is where it started. Oh. Um, she was like, I'm just telling you guys because I'm seeing them, and I don't want them anymore. Because she had them, you know, she was like Sports Illustrated, so she like did so Oh, she I didn't know she... Too, because, like, people are obviously going to know yeah. this and they make a big thing of it, so yeah. she takes she had, story. She got a COVID test. That was why. She was like, you know, I'm telling you that I, I got this test because I'm having surgery. So she did that, and then a few weeks later, she um, was like, so, it turns out, like, they gave me a pregnancy test when I went in for the surgery, which is, like, a big deal, and they, it was wrong. It said I was not pregnant, but it turns out I am. Um, and she had never been able to get pregnant on her own. She had her first two children through in vitro fertilization. She had a really hard time getting pregnant with them. Um, and so this was like a natural pregnancy. She, and so it was just like crazy, you know, she was super excited. Um, and so she was about, I think like five months in, she said she was about halfway um, this week. And she had been like two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, she basically was like, I am on 24 seven bed rest. Um, my placenta is really crappy, which I think probably was part of the issue. She said that with the other two, like, it was, you know, she's like, the house isn't built for a baby. Yeah. Um, oh, that's sad. So, yeah, so she had been on bed rest. She had a crappy placenta. That's like how she said, she's like, the placenta sucks. Aww. So, um, when I first saw her break some of her own tragic news, yeah. I was like, is this an overshare? But if she's already shared that she's, much, no, I think, no turning back. Yeah, and I think for her, that type of, that, it's very cathartic for her to, like, talk about stuff like this. Yeah, so then um, she ended up in the hospital on, like, last Sunday or Monday night. Um, and she was like, you know, you're like kind of being really chill about it. But the way she talked about it, I remember she was like, I just slept all day. It didn't sound good. Um, and then the next day, she um, had posted some pictures and um, us kind of just explained that she had lost the baby. Um, or that she had, I think that they basically had to deliver the baby because. Yeah, I saw, I think, yeah. photos of um, But yeah, it was really like tragic yeah. it was very very sad but she posted some, I mean they were beautiful photos like they were super sad but like very emotional emotional yeah and I think I think for her she's the type of person that like that is how she that's just like how she deals with stuff um people are like oh, she's doing this wrong like you don't breathe that way and yeah. I saw um a few people on Twitter were like I have lost a baby that was not something that I took like that maybe wasn't how I would choose to do it but like you can't police how people are dealing with that like yeah like people do stuff in different ways um so and the reason i bring her up was yeah. that from this allison Roman is she has been very successful in pushing into the cookbook space hers was the first cookbook that like i bought myself as an adult person 
Yeah. Because I felt like it was accessible. Like, well, she also, I like about her is she, she doesn't take herself seriously. And she, like, her recipes, she just makes food like you want to eat. Yeah, like, she I likes was. to cook. Yeah. She like, likes to eat. I looked at their, I was like, dang, I would make like half the things in here. Like, they sound so good. And, like, she, that's this, with her, like, she is just so. Like, she's an open person. She's hilarious. Just, like, she's having a good time. And, like, I, it sucks when, like, yeah, people are always saying stuff to her because I know she would always comment, like, the way she's, like, raising her kids. Like, everyone's, you know, a critic when you're, when you're like, that famous, I understand. And, like, if she, like, wants to, you know, grieve that way, too, that's, like, totally her choice. Like, everyone does their thing differently. And, like, I know it's one of those things that women don't talk about, but it happens so much. Like, I can't tell you how many people that I've known personally who've had to deal with that. And, like, they, it's it's just, it might make someone feel better about their situation, like, they, because they didn't feel comfortable talking about it. It's, like, it's, th- this happens, and it's, you know, super unfortunate, but, like, you know, she's a very strong and resilient woman, and, like, she's just trying to, like... this is her way of dealing but you know I I I really like Chrissy Teigen and uh, like it's like even she's been on David Chang's show and like he's even said like no her pans that she has at Target are actually they're pretty good like like, people don't realize too like her mom is a really good cook like Mm -hmm. she just grew up with her mother Pepper who I love so much yeah was Thai so and that's like the section of her book it's called Thai Mom like the section of Thai recipes Thai Mom but yeah. like I think that when you kind of have that, right? Like you grow up with that. She has, a, I think she has a good sensibility for it. Yeah. Um, food is important to her. Yeah. yeah, she likes she likes to enjoy life. Like she, that's just something about her. I've seen just like seeing shows with her and just like you know on her Instagram and stuff. Like she just seems like a, a person you would want to hang out with. To be honest, like seems you know. I think like the way that with like the wellness industry or whatever I think that her relationship to food is really like healthy and yeah like I think that's like especially eat, being a form of model like right, right you eat food to live you eat food to enjoy it like it's that, not a reward. Right. It's just like, eat this. You want to eat it. Like. Yeah, it's just another thing, like a part of enjoying life. And like, she's just very frank with all these things that people talk about, just like with her kids or like with weight things. And like, it's like, this is just a part, um, like you, you want to enjoy yourself. And she, you know, makes food to like, to enjoy yourself and to be happy and not like stress over like, oh, how many calories this is like, you know. Yes, of course, there's balance of things. You probably shouldn't eat, like, a whole pan of stuff. But, like, yeah, she's... I I really like her. I think, you know, you know, forget Allison Roman, what she said. Yes. I don't, I don't yeah. care. My only other big question is you are here as a consultant. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, this is my favorite restaurant. Oh, yeah. Not just because they put out wonderful <laughs> dishes, but also because I've had, like, a lot of important lifetime experiences and milestones here, you know? Yeah. Um, very warm. It's really special to us, and I want to know, what are you going to consult about? You know, what changes will you make? How will you augment the great work going on here? Um, I think, like, you know, Jared and I have been talking about a few things that he's working on and a few things that, like, that he's planning to do as well as just what's here. And, like, you know, this week while I'm here, I'm definitely, like, I'm going to work with um, the pastry cook here and just, like, help out with some recipes, like, do some, just, like, kind of make some fun things and, like, show them, like, how, at least, like, some stuff that I think is, like, straightforward and um, really tasty and I think people will like and just kind of, like, um, help out, like, wherever they can. So, you know, just 
uh, I'm gonna kind of go into it and see like what what like things might be needed here but I think just like you know share some of my recipes that will be like a nice addition and I to this place and you know just you know hang out with everybody so I have one last question okay Dessert ever eaten. I was like, this is what I want to know. Oh my gosh. So I'm so hungry now. I know, <laughs> I was thinking the same after. thing. He, he oh my god. Down and then pointed at it. Oh yeah. Yes. Jared made us a meatball. Yes. Oh, lucky ducks. the best thing you've ever made. Best dessert. Oh man. It could be something you've made. <laughs> You're allowed to say that. Uh, well, I guess, well, so I was talking, or I don't know if I was talking with Jared about this. I'm trying to remember, like when I was in Paris, I um, I had this uh, raspberry eclair that like blew my mind. Like I had never had an eclair that that was that good. It actually had like beads of the raspberries in it, and it was just like so perfectly made. And you just like when you eat something, and you're just like you've had it so many times before, and you have it this way, and it's like how I didn't know it could get this good. So I would probably say, I, I guess I would say that. Like, that was like 10 so or more than 10. Instead of the chocolate, it's raspberry. Yeah, it was a raspberry yeah, one. Like yeah, like the chocolate. chocolate. So like, I guess that experience, because like just, I was still in culinary school at the time. I My friends and I, we did like this trip to Paris for a week, and I was just like, I didn't know that this could be this good. Like, I'm a big Eclair fan. Like, I like lots of desserts and stuff, but I always think of them kind of like, you know, like if someone brings them from somewhere, like, they're maybe, like, stale or, like... Oh, yeah, they're soggy. ...that are not great, so then it's, like, when you have one that's, like, really, like, fresh and, like, new and... Oh, yeah, I think I've been Eclair. And raspberry. what? Yeah, right? Dessert from when I would do catering. Oh, like, right. Forget, right. Oh, yeah. Forget that they can be, like, really, like, oh, heavy cream, right? Oh, for like, it was yeah. so, so good. And, like, yeah. that, I think that, like, kind of cemented. And I, I really do like making eclairs now, too. But I um, I don't think I, like, I still haven't gotten to that, like, that kind of perfection yet. Yeah. So maybe one day I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll get there. So, yes. Well, I've been Sarah. I've been Molly. And this is Papa.